Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. How many of you know it's real easy to come to church with an expectation of saying, I, I really need something for my life. I really need God to talk to me. I really have a situation that's going on. And I think most of us come to church with that expectation, or maybe there's things in our life that are going on. And uh, as a result, we're coming and saying, God, I need to hear from heaven. And one of the things that I've seen over the last several years, and obviously we try to create a message that is relevant, that is applicable to everyday life. But I've also seen that, you know, there's been times that it's real easy to water things down and to make it so simplified uh, for the sake of not making it too meaty for those people that maybe are just new in the things of God. And I understand that. But here's the thing that I've also found, that the Word of God holds every answer that we need. I said the word of God holds every answer that we need. And so therefore, the greatest thing that we can do is to deliver the word of God. We can present the word of God. And it's the word of God that brings clarity and understanding and gives us the heart and the will and the desire of God for our lives. And so I don't care what it is. I don't care if you're depressed. I don't care if you have an issue of finances, marriage, children, uh, whatever it might be. God's answer is in the word of God and it will forever settle the situation. Amen. And so my heart and hope tonight is that we would begin to see some things concerning our own personal life. And if you remember last week, we said this, that uh, God has a desire for us to increase and grow in life. But it's all pertaining to what his purpose is for your life. The Bible says that all of us have a call of God. And so he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened or open or that they would be filled and flooded with light so that you would know your purpose, that you would know the design in the heart of God for your life. And I find it all too often that people live their life and never really step into the purpose of God for their life. And therefore, if we never step into that purpose or experience it, our purpose to give ourselves to God, to say, God, here I am, use me. We live life being frustrated and discouraged. And just this heaviness of life just every day. And there's been times in my life being a pastor knowing that this is the purpose and the plan of God for my life, but maybe I haven't been stepping into it or been complacent or whatever to where I've let that creep into my life where there's just been this just this frustration and saying, God, I know I'm where I'm supposed to be, but obviously there's some things out of line. And so as we purpose to adjust those things, we begin to find ourselves stepping into a place of peace, of contentment, and of favor, or the favor of God begins to work in our life. And I don't know about you, but I want God's favor in my life so that I can begin to experience all that he has for me. But unfortunately, many times as a result of just life, we begin to lose sight of those things that God put in us. I said we lose sight of what God put in us or the dreams that we have. And isn't it interesting that when you talk to your little children, I mean, my kids are uh, 9, 7, and 4. And if I talk to them, they've already got desires. They've already started dreaming about stuff. They already start thinking about what they want to do. And at that age, nothing is impossible. Right? 
isn't it funny how God put childlike faith in a child that they can see anything, believe anything, and expect anything? And that's the heart of God that God put in there because that's how he wants us to live. That I can be, that I can do, I can expect, I can receive anything because God is faithful. And I just believe that it's possible. But then life starts to happen and it starts happening real soon, right? I mean, there's certain things that even in my children, they would talk one way a certain time. And now that they're a little bit older, they talk a little bit different because now they've experienced some disappointments. Or maybe they've experienced mom and dad saying no enough times, (laughs) right? My my oldest daughter and my wife were talking one time. I can't remember the particular conversation, but my wife asked her something, and then my daughter's response was, "Well, I would ask, but I know that the answer is always no. It's always no, so I'm not even going to ask." And so early on, we come into this position or place where it's just like, "Well, I don't know what I can expect. I don't know if those things that I really see or desire." can really come to fruition in my life. And depending on your background, your circumstance, or just what has happened in life, and especially with people, eventually we can find ourselves getting to the place where we have no expectation. And it's interesting that what God has put in you, what he's put in you is to ultimately affect people, but what he's put in you, he cannot bring to fruition without people. I said he can't do it without people. So in other words, what God's put in you, you can't do it by yourself. You need people to help come up alongside of you. And you need to partner with people to make the biggest impact and difference in this life. Because God's put in you purpose. But because of life circumstance, many times we may have said this. I've said this that, well, you know what? I've seen how things have happened. And so I just don't need anybody. I don't need help, don't want help, I'll do it myself. I might kill myself along the way, but I'll I'll do it myself. Forget it, baloney with you, right? And isn't that the tactic of the enemy to get us isolated and saying, well, I don't need anybody because people have let me down. But God needs us to develop relationships. And in order for you to do what God's called you to do, you need people because they have a portion of what you need, right? And so when we talk about this, those dreams, those desires, God's going to position you to be in the right place at the right time. But if our, 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 our attitude is, I don't need anybody, you'll never step into that position and begin to expect God to move in that environment. For, for instance, every single one of us desire to be recognized. You might say, well, I don't like to be, you know... Brought up in front of people. I don't like to be embarrassed. But regardless of that. You like to be recognized. You like to be given special treatment. You like to have. uh, Favor. You want people to do for you special things. Right? We all like that. I mean to be recognized. Or maybe you're at a, a particular. In fact for this. You know you go to a restaurant. And you see the restaurant man. The lines backed all up. But maybe you know the the hostess, and they see you, and they're like, they give you they give you that look, just a minute, just a minute, and then they come up to you, like, how many do you got? That's just me and my wife. All right, give me just a second. They go back, and then they come back a few minutes later. All right, come on, come on, I, I got you squared away, and you see all these people just giving you the laser eye. 
wanting to kill you. <laughs> Who are you? You just got here. I've been waiting here for 45 minutes. Come on. Don't you like it when you get special treatment? Don't you like it when you have favor? We all do. And that's the life that God desires for us. Is that God desires for us to experience and walk in supernatural favor. Supernatural favor. He wants us to expect God to move on our behalf so that you would receive special treatment. Now, we don't like it when somebody else gets it because we're like, well, yeah, you know. Well, you know, they, they just know that person. Well, they're of that family. Well, you know, they got money. And so we start snubbing our nose because they get special treatment. But when it's you, you like it. And God says, I want you to experience that and expect it and walk in it. But because of life or how life has happened, we start to just kind of sit back and say, well, you know, nothing good happens to me. But when we look at other people, say, well, they're celebrities. Well, they're from a prestigious family or they've got a name. Maybe they're royalty. And so, you know, it's okay for them. And that's the life that they come to expect and know. Because, you know, after all, they are the Kardashians. You know, they, they have never done anything in their life. But they have that last name. And so they, they just expect it. Right? That only tells me that you don't know who you are. Because if you knew who you are, the Bible says that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. That we're of the kingdom of God. That we're from a different place. That our residency is of heaven. And so therefore, if there truly ever was a celebrity on the earth, it's you and me. Now, I'm not talking about being high-minded. I'm talking about identifying who you are. Well, you know, she's Princess Diana or, or you know, those are her boys. You know, they, it's this Char, uh, Prince Charles or what's it, William and Harry. Harry and William, right? Is that right? Did I get that right? I think so. I think so. Me too. All right. Harry's a good one. I know it's at least Harry. All right. So, you know, well, that's, that's, he's royalty. So obviously he would just have special treatment. Listen, the Bible says that you're a royal priesthood. That Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Who's the kings that he's kings over? It's you and it's me. And the Bible says that we are to rule and to reign in this life as kings. And so when you start to change your mentality and see you the way God sees you, you can begin to walk with an expectation. God just moves on my behalf. God just sets up things with special treatment for me. Now I'm not talking about, about being high minded. Or being arrogant or stuck up. I'm saying recognizing who you are. I'm a child of God. If there ever was a celebrity it's me. Come on. I know that's real hard for you to even begin to wrap your head around. Well you don't know all the crud that I've been through. I don't feel like a celebrity. I feel like a runt and I'm the last rung of the ladder. No you are a king's kid. And therefore, you can expect more of yourself because God says, I've created it and positioned you for it. Here's what favor means. Let me read this to you. This is a simply a definition of what favor means. It means to be friendly or kindly regarded, goodwill towards or to have approval, to be liked, to have unfair partiality, to have favor, favoritism, to have an attractiveness. Come on. Why is it that the Kardashian family uh, are, are so popular? 
because they're attractive people. Aren't they pretty? Oh, come on, let me be your friend. God says that when you have the favor of God, there becomes an attractiveness about you. I'm not talking about a physical feature, but something that's on you that makes people attracted to you. Right? Now, when I went to Bible college, this is one of those examples. I'm starting to laugh. <laughs> I'm starting to laugh because, you know, my mom and dad, they're here. And so anytime I tell these kind of stories, they're like, I can't believe you told a story. But anyways, I'm going to tell the story for the sake of the example. When I went to Bible college, you know, I'm like any red-blooded American. You know, if I'm going to have a girlfriend or have a wife, I mean, I want her to be drop-dead gorgeous. I mean, God hooked me up, and I mean, I married way above. I mean, there's no, no two ways about it, right? And so I'm a blessed man. But when I went to Bible college, I said, God, I said, I've messed up in the past. And I said, if I'm going to find a girl, I said, I want her to be this. I want her to be pretty. I want her to be called of God. I want her to be able to and have a desire to do ministry. That's my standard, God. But as I was at school, I got around all these girls that were hungry for God and wanted to be in ministry. And I found my heart being pulled. And I'm like, God, they are ugly. <laughs> They're ugly. But I find my heart being drawn to them. I, what's up, God? And I began to get scared. I'm like, God, don't make me marry an ugly woman because I just don't want that God. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was really confused. I'm like, God, why am I? I feel this attraction, but they're ugly. What was I attracted to? It was something on them. And it was the God on them. It was the favor of God. The love of God. The anointing on them. That I began to see. But then once I put the dots together. Oh you mean I can have that. But I can. Oh I can have that. Whoa. Praise the Lord. You know what I mean. And so. Uh, I got my heart's desire. And I only share that with you because it's not a matter of having physical feature attractiveness. When you walk with God and identify, I've got the favor of God on me and begin to walk in such a way, you become attractive to people. Why am I drawn to you, favor of God? Why do people just, man, I just want to bless you. I want to do for you. I want to help you, favor of God. And therefore, I can begin to expect God to work on my behalf. When my wife and I first got married, I was working for General Motors. And uh, her just coming to Michigan, she didn't have a job. And so she's like, well, I'm going to try to find a job. And a buddy of mine worked for a particular company. And he says, hey, we'll send her over to uh, our place, our office. And he says, you know, I'll, I'll set up an interview and, and uh, you know, we'll see what we can do. So the interview happened and she went in and talked to the woman and she came back uh, afterwards and she goes, I really want that job. She goes, I really like that job. And I can't remember exactly all the details if she went back. But here's what took place. She went to the job. The boss, the woman says to her, she goes, honey, this is how she always talks. Honey, I don't have a job or an opening, but I just really like you. Give me just a couple weeks and I'm going to make a spot for you. 
And sure enough, she gave her the call. Says, well, I made an opening. When can you start? That's the favor of God. So when it comes to jobs or when it comes to particular things in your life, don't just step back or get rocked back on your heels because maybe you heard a no. No, the favor of God is opening up a door for you so that you have favorable treatment, partiality, kindness working on your behalf. Can you believe it? You say, well, it's just me. I'm kind of rough around the edges. God smooth them out. But regardless of whether you're a work in progress, the favor of God is still on you. And if you'll begin to expect it, your expectation of God working on your behalf will help smooth out those edges because you'll start seeing you differently. Right? All right. Continuing with this definition. It says friendly or kind or kind regard. Goodwill, approval, uh, having people like you, unfair partiality, favoritism, attractiveness, to be preferred, to be helped, to be assisted, and to do kindness for, or to be endorsing. Amen. To be endorsing. In other words, people will go to bat for you. Don't even know why I'm working for you. It just, it's, it's compelling in my heart. I just want to help you. Come on, are you here tonight? Well, you don't know where we live, man. It's pretty rough here in Flint. You know what they're talking about with the whole water thing? We've got partiality. Well, I just heard that FEMA, they just rejected help. You know, they're not going to help us again. Listen, I'm not looking to an agency. I'm not looking to this one or that one. I'm not looking to the government. I'm looking to God. And God says that he says we've got favor. And so I don't know how this is all going to turn out, but it's going to turn out for our favor. At least for the body of Christ it is. Why? Because we are his kids. Can you say amen? So in regards to uh, this favoritism or understanding to believe God for, it's because of who we are. We're God's kids, right? I said we're God's kids. Now, I love your kids and I go to bat for your kids. But if it came between your kid and my kid out in the water and two of them are drowning, I'm going to save my kid first. Don't get mad at me for saying that. I'm going to save my kid first. (laughs) Why? Because that's my kid. And then I'll save yours. What am I saying? You're God's kid. And so God's going to take care of you. You're on his heart. You're on his mind. He prefers you and is going to work on your behalf. So let's look at the Bible here. Let's look at some scriptures. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm. Psalms chapter 5. Psalms chapter 5. You doing okay? You know, this is one of those things that is just so important for us to get. And this is one of those things that takes time for us to get. Because we've been so ingrained to think from a poverty mentality. You know, I've begun teaching... uh, well, this, I guess, is the second semester, but I'm teaching a new class down at the Bible college that I've been uh, teaching at. And it's concerning the faithfulness of God. And in teaching that, the, the one guy, you know, I taught, uh, I've been teaching for the last couple of years down there. And this one particular guy that I had in the last semester, he seen me and he had this kind of funny look on his face. And I started laughing. I said, what are you looking at me like that for? He says, because he says, you always make me think. And he says, sometimes it just hurts the way you make me think. And what he's saying is, 
I've been taught some things concerning my religious and traditious think, tra- traditional thinking. And he said, then you present something from the Word of God and it just makes my head bend. And he said, you know, we're talking about the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. And he says, he said, it's making my head hurt. And so he gets out there with me and he says to me, he says, you know, uh, well, sure, I can. I would love to live life well. He says, but I, <clears throat> he says, I'm never going to be a millionaire. He says, I, I'm not ever going to be living like that or, or to be doing that well. And I says, well, why not? He goes, well, I just could never see myself being that way. He said, plus, I don't want to work that hard. Well, whoever said you had to work that hard to prosper? But to even be able to say, well, I don't, I don't ever believe that I'll be a millionaire. Well, if you say so. A man, a man is, as, uh, as a man thinks, so is he. And the Bible says, whatsoever things you say, you'll have. Well, I just choose to believe that there is no limits with God. Well, now, you may not be a millionaire tomorrow. Well, why don't you just believe for increase next year? Well, I made 25000 next last year. Well, why don't you trust him for 50000 this year? For increase. Well, I'll never make a million dollars. Well, why don't you just believe him for the next level in your life to increase for the favor of God? And so, again, this is so important for us to really renew our minds because we see ourselves through a filter of what the world has told us. That God doesn't want you to, to increase because, you know, he don't want you to be high-minded. Hold, hold that thought. Or, or hold your place, okay? Let, let, me, <laughs> let me take you here. Go over to Philippians. Go over to Philippians chapter 4. Hold your place here in Psalms. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Because we have been told this. Well, you know, God does everything in moderation. He wants us to be moderate. Right? But the Bible has never said that. There's one particular place, and this is where it says, now, I got the New King James, but I'll read it from the New King James, but I'll tell you what the King James says. In first, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness, or the King James says, let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And so we've read that, or we've been told, well, the Bible says that we're supposed to live a life that is moderate. Don't be too high-minded. Don't expect too much. Don't, don't expect to, to be a millionaire or whatever your expectation might be. you got to be moderate. But here's what different translations, because the way we read that in our modern language, we take it a different way. But here's what the Bible says. In, in the NASB translation, it says, Let your gentleness or your gentle spirit be known to all men. The NIV and the, uh, the New King James says, Let your gentleness be evident to all The ASV and the RSV says, let your forbearance be known unto all men. The TLB translation says, let everyone see that you are unfoolish and considerate in all your ways. But if you'll back up for just a minute. Now now notice, when you read those different translations as to how it translates the Greek, it paints a whole different picture. It's not talking about being moderate. It's talking about your attitude in your heart. But if we'll just back up a couple verses, it really addresses the context of what God's talking about. In verse 1 and verse 2, 
It says, therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and crown, stand fast in the Lord, be loved. Verse 2, I implore Yodoya, whatever that name is, you help me out. Yodoya, and I implore whatever, Cynthia, that's not the name, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, E&S, you know, those two people. It says, I implore those two people to be of the same mind in the Lord. So here's what it's saying. Be of the same mind. So what we're hearing here is that these two individuals are spatting back and forth. They're having a disagreement. And then we see now, let your gentleness be known to all people. Don't let this be what people know, know you for, for your spatting back and forth. He says, come together and let you. So you start to see the context and really the translation. God never said that he wants us to live this modest, moderate life. Amen. The favor of God has opened up the door for us to be a billboard and an example to expect God's favor to work on our behalf. Amen. Amen. Turn over to. Yeah. How are we doing on time? All right. We'll come back next week and we'll, we'll look at Psalms, all right? We'll talk about the favor of God. Turn to John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. You doing okay? John 10, 10 says, For the thief comes not for, but to steal, kill, and destroy. Did you see that the Bible says that the enemy comes? Sure he does. Do we glorify him? Do we lift him up on a pedestal? Do we talk about him like he's this major foe in our life? No, no. He's defeated. Well, the devil's working in my church. Sure he is. Jesus said it right there. That's what he's coming to do. Steal, kill, and destroy. Well, the devil's working in my house. My wife is just cranked right up, man. The devil's working big time. Sure. Yeah. Devil's in your house. He's waiting for you to wake up every morning. Well, the devil's working in the school systems. The devil's working in our government. Yes, he is. Jesus said he would be. We just read it. But then this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, let me give you the actual translation of what life abundantly means. Remember we said a couple of weeks ago, I think it was on a Sunday morning, we said concerning the Greek and the Hebrew, there's multiple words that describe some things that our translators try to, to describe. Their vocabulary is so much bigger. So we've had words that we've tried to use in our limited vocabulary to plug in, but it doesn't really have the ability to accurately describe what God's trying to say. In the Hebrew language, it's so big. In the Greek language, it's so vast. That there's more to it. And so it's really difficult at times to translate what it really means. But here's what the abundant life that Jesus said, I've come to give. This is what it, says, what it means. It says, exceeding measure or rank. Over and above. More than is necessary. Super added. Super, uh, uh, a surplus. Super abundance. Superior in quality, superior in an abundance, uh, excuse me, let me say it again. Superior in quality, super abundant in quantity, 
And Dr. Strong's commentary says that it means by implication, excessive. Jesus came that you would have an excessive life. Not a life that was in error, because obviously when we start talking about this, it's easy to get into the ditch. He didn't say to live a life that was in error, but a life that was in excess. So God isn't wanting us just to have more than enough. He's wanting us to have more than more than enough. That's excess. Why? Because of the favor of God. Because you're a child of God. So if I start looking at it from that perspective, God favors me. Well, this is as best as I can live. I'm living on a fixed income. Who fixed it? Certainly wasn't God. We have it. This is the job that I. No, no. God never said it was determined based upon your job. Because he said he would cause men to give you favor. To give you special treatment. Can you say amen? amen? And I'll close with this just simply reiterating a story that I shared with you last Sunday morning. A minister friend went down to Louisiana. So if this is repeating, obviously it's repeating. But it goes to bear repeating for the sake of God's excessive, abundant favor for our lives so this minister friend he goes down to louisiana and he's a motorcycle enthusiast he actually worked for harley davidson and for whatever reason he's he's no longer there but he says man i've always desired to have a harley so he goes down there to the minister's conference and he's talking to this one minister that lives in louisiana and the minister saying yeah you know i've got this 2014 fat boy harley if you know anything about motorcycles, Fat Boy's a pretty slick motorcycle. Probably upwards of close to $20,000 for the motorcycle. Somewhere in between there, fifteen to twenty, somewhere, somewhere in that range, depending on how it's all decked out, you know. And so they're talking about this motorcycle, and the, the minister's saying, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about getting rid of my bike just because I haven't ridden it that much. I mean, it's a 2014, and I've got less than 400 miles on it. And so this minister, this friend of mine from Michigan, says... Well, what do you want for it? The other preacher looks at him and says, You know what? I'm just going to give it to you. He says, What? He says, Yeah, I'm just going to give it to you. He says, In fact, I'll keep making the payments for you until it's paid off. Come on. That's excessive. People don't do that. We can't expect that. Why not? I'm not talking about putting a demand on people or having an expectation of specific people, but to say, God, you will use people because that's how you're going to bless me. That's how I'm going to find favor. That's how special treatment's going to come my way because you're going to move on people's hearts. And because I'm your kid, there's just something that's going to be attractive about me. And people are going to say, I want to just do things for you. Can you believe that about yourself? If that's hard for you, man, I want you to keep coming back on these Wednesday nights because I want to help you change your opinion about you and help you see how God sees you because God wants you to live and expect a whole lot more.
Well, I live in Flint. I don't care. There was the children of Israel that lived in Egypt and were slaves. But God heard their cry. And he set them free. And all the wealth of Egypt was given to God's kids. He loves you. And he's paid too great of a price for us to set the bar so low in our life. And I'll say this one last thing for the sake of not letting our, our, our thoughts getting in the ditch of thinking, well, it's all about me and having stuff. That man that said to me, I can't ever see myself being a millionaire. And the reason that he's saying that is because he's thinking strictly on the man's side of, well, if I had all that kind of money, well, then obviously I would have stuff. Well, let's look on the God side. If you were, if you were blessed with a million dollars, what's the tithe on a million dollars? A hundred thousand dollars. Wouldn't it be awesome? Man, it just kind of gets, puts butterflies in my tummy thinking, I'm dropping a hundred grand check, man, in the bucket this morning. Whoa, come on. Could you even begin to imagine that? So you see, when God blesses you, or I should say, He'll only bless you to the extent that it connects you to your purpose and your call to affect people. Amen? Let's stand. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that, God, you're expanding our expectation. God, we're just a young church. We've only been around for a little while, but, God, we thank you that you've positioned us in Flint for a purpose and a plan. God, I thank you that you're moving and you're going to use us to be a voice, to be a catalyst, to be a resource because we have favor with you. God, I thank you that you're helping us see ourselves better than ever before. That, God, you love us, that we have your favor, and that people are just going to be attracted to us because of what you've put on us and in us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, be sure to invite some people to church. Come on next Sunday. You realize next Sunday you're going to have to fight for your seat, so you got lucky tonight. So just... We'll see you next Sunday, all right? Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, and loving life.